Hello and welcome to another episode of CryptoCast. I am your host, James Burney, a fintech and financial services partner at Ghana Corp. CryptoCast is a podcast series that delves into all things crypto, blockchain and DeFi with leading industry experts. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Leanne Kemp, who is founder and CEO of Everledger, a firm which develops technology to create a secure and permanent digital record of an asset's origin, characteristics and ownership. Hi it's great to have you on. Thank you for having me. So people talk about supply chain blockchain solutions, but what are the sorts of things you see as the biggest use cases for this technology? Well, of course, it's my own religion, and that is supply chain traceability. Um, Everledger began in the heart of London in 2015, and we have built a platform of provenance to enable traceability. Uh, We applied that into the diamond industry and began to think even more broadly. So from diamonds to art to watches to jewellery, we now have operational centres in six countries in the world, and we have customers in around 38 countries. So supply chain traceability is really at the heart of what we do. And we're really interested in opaque supply chains, um, particularly those that we understand where the impact of people and planet need to be at the forefront um, of the next revolution or evolution of supply chains. Uh, And it's interesting you say that because of these new disruptive technologies, I mean, they always sound great on the surface, but have you had acceptance or even more resistance from existing industry players when you, when you present them with these sorts of new blockchain solutions? Well, I don't know that there'd be many people that would be pretty excited about working with a startup that firstly is at high risk and says that we're disrupting them. So our approach has always been to have a humbleness about the work that we're endeavouring and we set about um, a co-evolution strategy. So how do we align in the principles of what we're doing with provenance and find those within the marketplace that we can align with value and values? And once we were able to do that, we certainly haven't had any pushback or we've had a lot of feedback, but not necessarily any pushback. And in fact, it was about three years ago that some of the largest Um, diamond tiers in the world, the diamond manufacturers, as well as diamond mining companies um, committed to blockchain as their chosen choice of technology around transparency. And it was only today that De Beers made some announcements around enabling the full traceability of their entire supply chain with diamond provenance by 2030, which we're excited about because, of course, that aligns into another important value and that is the Paris Agreement on the Sustainable Development Goals. So if we can achieve carbon neutrality by 2030 and traceability efforts, then we're well on our way to enable exactly, as I spoke about, the impact in not just only supply chains, but transforming them into value chains. That's really interesting. And I think one of the main concerns, which I always hit on when I see these sorts of products, is You've got blockchain, which is a great way of storing and sharing the information. Uh, but how do you ensure the information entering into the blockchain network is actually legitimate? Um, just in terms of if you get rubbish data in, then although blockchains are great at holding it, if the data in is rubbish, then then the rubbish on the blockchain. 
So there are a few elements to the work that we do. Firstly, we understand the object at its forensic level and we're very fortunate because diamonds are unique by their very nature. They're like a snowflake. So we're able to take 40 metadata points of a diamond and enable that as a digital twin or a fingerprint um, into the blockchain system. Um, and uh, there are a number of scanning technologies that have been available for quite some time. So it's not necessarily users sitting on a keyboard and entering information. In fact, diamonds go through a number of different points across the supply chain where machines scan, whether that uses various forms of light refraction, resonant ultrasound, um, even a spectro reading. And it's those machine level reads that are captured as a part of that identity. Now, diamonds have a puff, a physical unclonable feature, as I said before. So we also map the inclusions. One could say it's the faults in the diamond, but it's the uh, forensic level of those objects that get captured into the chain that enable us to be able to have that object identity. And then the next element, of course, is trying to understand the movement of those goods across borders. And that's where trade documentation comes into play. Now, the ability to be able to take even paper-based formations and of which parts of the diamond industry still rely upon that gentleman's handshake and a chit of paper and a promise to pay, we're able to use other forms of technologies that we can bring together non-structured data or paper-based certification and bring that into a structured form. And then we have artificial intelligence that runs over the top of that and does a whole bunch of work around machine vision to enable not only the capturing of the data, but making sense of it. Um, because we're working in various different industries, we've brought together a lot of technologies well beyond blockchain and call it a symphony of technologies that enables us to be able to bring all that information into a chain that's trusted. Then, of course, we have multiple nodes running across the network and we would rely on consensus, a federated consensus of our users um, to be able to enable the, the truth mechanism around that data on top of the trusted technology connection, which resides either in all those scanning technologies that I spoke about or with NFC and, and RFID technology, of which I've been working in since about 1995. It's interesting because one of the things we see quite commonly is blockchain is almost an excuse to, to reinvent things and make them slicker and faster using other technologies. Have you found that's the case or do you think actually it is the blockchain technology in and of itself which, which is the disruptor? Um, again, I really think uh, blockchain is a technology we won't be speaking about uh, in 2030, just as we won't be talking about the circular economy because it is the economy. Um, you know, the internet, of course, as we know it today, was born out of a set of protocols, whether it's SMTP or HTTP, that enabled applications to be built. And those applications are things like browsers and email. Um, but we're not talking about the protocols anymore that enables those applications, and nor are we actually even talking about email as a killer application or even Netscape as a browser. Um, what we are speaking about now are the platforms, the problems that we're solving, the marketplaces that are being built. And I guess that's really the power of blockchain. So we think about blockchain as the next generation of trusted protocols for the internet. Um, and it just so happens right now to be riding on the crest of the waves alongside many different coin phrases, whether that be in cryptocurrency, we've seen the rise of ICOs, we're now seeing DeFi coming back into conversations. 
But the reality is it's the enablement of the protocols at the core elements that will actually transform what we once knew was the World Wide Web to the World Wide Ledger. That's really interesting. And I think from the lawyer's perspective, one, one of the problems you then hit is, you know, particularly companies like yours, which, which are multinational and global in nature, is you get different regimes coming in and, and not always in a harmonious fashion. Have you found that the way that regulators and lawyers have reacted has been a hindrance? I'm thinking things like data protection and as well as things like um, how certain companies regulate blockchain technologies? So I think firstly, we are in a non-regulated market. And in fact, if anything, the diamond industry is self-regulating. Uh, when we think about the world in terms of, you know, data enablement and cybersecurity, most definitely uh, it's on the front mind of many governments around the world. But so too is the transformation of things like data trusts that exist. Um, I would sort of kindly say that a parts of the transformation in blockchain are less about the protocols uh, or the policy, sorry, that government um, are discussing and putting into the forefront and more about industry transformation. When I think about the diamond industry, there is the Kimberley process, which is 81 countries that have come together and have been working in a consensus formation since 2003 when the United Nations formed the Kimberley process. So they have agreement across 81 countries. They know an understanding the ruling of that industry as a whole. And so, hence, another reason why Everledger began in the diamond industry, because it is forming that global consensus and arguably the work has been done on enabling that in a cross-border environment. So whilst they might have come from very different worlds, they are all acting as one world. Thank you. That, that's really interesting. Do you think, I mean, I know you, you're you've started predominantly in commodities, but do you think that this kind of technology works in multiple industries or do you think the commodities industry is particularly ripe for blockchain? Well, I guess the same question could have been asked of Tim Berners-Lee with the internet, you know, does it only work in commodities or does it only work in news articles and social media? The reality is this is an enablement, a digital set of rails that will bring trust in a trustless environment together. So, of course, the next generation of the internet will reside in the protocols around exactly as what we're all co-designing today. And so it will be for every consumer and every commodities supply chain. And there will be very many different applications that will exist because it will literally become baked in as the next generation security protocols of the internet. Understood. I mean, I think kind of just a, a final question is it was interesting how you were saying before about with diamonds how they're kind of unique because they have identifiers which makes them something you can then rep represent using a token on chain but with other items such as say luxury goods or, or clothes and the like is it equally is it equally easy a way to do that or do you have to use rfid chips or, or something similar to keep make each one um separate before you can put it on chain is that a technology, a part of technology which needs to develop further? Or do you think it's already there? The textile supply chain is hyper complicated. So, of course, there's raw material traceability that arguably you can use things like nano traces, or even if you're in the agricultural belt, you're able to look at the agronomist leveling in terms of soils, et cetera, to understand where the origin of some of these items come from at a country level. 
But once you get to a finished fabric, there are definitely ways upon which you can use micro dots or other forms of technology uh, beyond just RFID and NFC technologies to identify. The reality is that the technologies exist. And so we can identify these objects, but it is at a, a, a bell curve of cost. So is the garment sufficiently at a point in margins to enable the traceability effort to have enough value or embedded value for this technology to, um, to afford to pay for itself in terms of the embeddedness within the object, but also enable value for the consumers? So why is it important for consumers to tap? Is it just to tap and brag? Is it to... Um, is it to do something more? Is it around measuring? Is it around traceability, not only in its first life, but also in its second life around the circular economy to reuse, repurpose and recycle? Uh, all of these uh, items, including labelling, needs to change. If we think about, I have a shirt on now, it'll tell me the percentage of cotton, but it won't tell me how many litres of water it has um, taken to be able to dye it in the colour that I'm wearing. And so why aren't we purposing a lot of this information embedded within the fabric itself. And RFID technology is only one discipline of technologies that can be applied today in traceability, but also in identity. Thanks, Leanne. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. It's been absolutely fascinating and a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Gunner Cook has a market-leading blockchain, crypto assets and DeFi team providing legal advice across the whole of the blockchain ecosystem. Our members have been heavily involved in helping shape the legal and regulatory framework for blockchain and crypto assets from the start, meaning that we have an intuitive understanding of our clients' needs and can provide focused, pragmatic advice at predictable cost. For more information, please visit our website. Thank you again.